A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science, with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, before we get the show started, I wanted to let you know we are giving away a bunch of brand new Black Magic gear. Yeah, cameras, switchers, DaVinci Resolve licenses, a bunch of awesome stuff. So stay tuned to learn how you can enter to win free gear from Black Magic. And we're going to tell you all about it later on in this episode. Now cue the music. Welcome to the 42nd episode of Just Shoot It, a podcast about filmmaking, storytelling, and directing. I'm Matt Enlow. And I'm Oren Kaplan. And today we're talking about the art of doing nothing. Right now, Matt and I are both freelancers and between jobs. And so we have to figure out what to do with ourselves every day. And I think actually this really does apply to our listeners. Not that they're like unemployed or anything, but that... You know, there's a lot of time in your career where you have to just, you have all this open time and you have to figure out how to make it count. And so today we will talk about how we try to do that when we're not on a job. But before we get into that, Matt, I just really wanted to know this week specifically, what have you been working on lately? Oh, thanks so much for asking, Oren. As regular listeners might know, I've got a couple shows that I'm working on right now. And uh, I'm in this very funny predicament right now where we're uh, packaging a show which is where you you know go out to all of the different agencies and say hey these are the roles i have for my show these are the leads this is a sort of time commitment and budget and all of that stuff who do you think would be good to be on this show who, who would be a good good for these roles and then i take those lists and then i send them around to all of the different suits and mucky mucks who help me make decisions or make decisions for me in certain cases and say, hey, are these people famous enough for my show to get financed? And they say, yay or nay. And what's there's a little bit of a chicken or, or an egg situation with it where I need famous people or semi-famous people or up-and-coming people in order to sell the show, but oftentimes those people don't want to say yes to being a part of a show until they know that it's actually going to be a show and that it actually has the green light. And so right now I'm in this kind of funny limbo where I'm kind of creating these materials and having these conversations with people where I'm like, if these people say yes, do I have a show? That's nerve wracking and fun and pretty surreal all at once. Yeah. You always hear these like crazy stories of people pretty much like straight up lying to, (laughs) to each other about like, Hey, you know, we have the money. Um, Do you want to do the movie? And then to an actor and then you tell the money people, Hey, we have the actor. Do you want to put the money in? Like, you, I, I know there's kind of like formal ways to have like letters of intent and all that stuff, but there is a lot of like hedging and just trying to play parties against each other. And um, you should check out this book, The Art of the Deal. Um, it's really <laughs> sure. helpful. You know, the uh, the guy who wrote that is he's really smart. He's like a really insightful um, leader. Yeah. You could even and has say. great hair. Not that that matters, <laughs> but it's true. Well, cool. 
that's cool yeah packaging is like a nightmare in my yeah. opinion it's it's the it it's kind of like one of the things that i feel like kind of separates you from like trying to make it and making it like if you mm-hmm. can package a movie you've kind of made it that means like actors will want to be in it studios will want to pay for it agencies will want to be involved and then there's like everyone else which is like just dying to have that and you can't have it unless you've already had it. That's the hard part. <laughs> right. Well, so so what we're doing in this case is that, you know, it's easy to write down a list of names that sound awesome. You know, like, wouldn't it be great if your yeah, pal... Jonah Jennifer- Hill is the main guy. Yeah, Jonah Hill and Jennifer Lawrence star in my web series. Um, mm-hmm. That sounds like a good plan. But what I'm actually doing is putting together a list of people who are both appealing and have the right level of fame or resume or talent or whatever, that kind of magic mixture is and then i'm filtering that through the likelihood that i'll be able to get them because of various connections so do do they have a working history with the studio are they represented by the same people that represent me things like that so so it's it's not that i'm just saying wouldn't aren't all these people awesome but also these people are awesome and we can get them for these reasons basically right I did this TV movie, you know, we've talked about it before, and our lead actress was Lori Loughlin from Full House. She plays Aunt Becky, if you know who she is. And she, we made an offer to her, and of course, I'm sure she, the first thing any actor asks is, who's the director? They said, Orrin Kaplan. She said, who is Orrin Kaplan? I've never heard of it. And it just so happened to be that our friend Eben, a producer, was managing a boy band at the time. Very odd turn of events. And... He was at a concert and Lori Lachlan was there because her daughters like were fans of this band. And he told me, he's like, oh, look, I'm with Lori Lachlan. Aren't you making an offer to her? And I said, yes. Can you please like put in a good word for me? And Eben went to her and said like, oh, you got to work with Oren. He's like this great director. And he emailed her and just said, you know, <laughs> um, like I'm vouching for him. He's like a great guy. And I don't know if that's what made her say yes or not, but she said yes working with a director she's never heard of. And I think, I do think it definitely could not have hurt that someone else that was helping her family out give, you know, put in a good word for me. Yeah, that's incredible. What a crazy story. Yeah, I know. He was managing a boy band. So funny. Well, yeah, packaging, man. It's a pain in the ass. Yeah, you know, it's it's fun. I I think the weird thing is like, there's this kind of happy medium of like, oh, I don't want to overreach too high, but also actors do want to act and you, I do need a certain level of fame in order for this thing to work. So it's been sort of fun to kind of strike that balance of finding the right people. I will yeah. say, man, like I've got a couple characters that are uh, middle-aged and um, that is a really fun list to put together because you're looking at people from your childhood who were in like sitcoms and right, movies like and Tony things like Danza. that. Yeah, exactly. Or RNC that, that, speaker Scott Bayo. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but like, you know, Scott Bayo aside, but they're, they're the sort of people that you kind of can get. And it is fun to, because you know them so well in a specific role, you can kind of play with their persona a little bit and maybe pitch them in a, a role that's totally different. You know, like when Albert Brooks was in Drive as like the gangster who does all those murders. Right. It's like such a funny turn. And he's incredible in it, but it's like, it's fun to reimagine those people that you've known for so long. And then also, maybe you get to work with someone like that. Right. Yeah. Though I think TV is different. I think the star of TV is, this is an HBO show. It's a Netflix show. It's an Amazon Prime show. It's an NBC show. 
Like, does Stranger Things work without Winona Ryder, or does um, Mr. Robot work without Christian Romney. Slater? Uh, yeah. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, like, You don't need those famous faces to make those shows work. But a movie, a Will Ferrell movie, is hard to imagine with a comedian that you've never seen before. You know, Daddy's Home or whatever with Will Ferrell and uh, Mark Wahlberg doesn't work with, like, Michael from you know vermilia or some guy that you've never heard of you know so i don't know it's interesting yeah. I, I i will admit i'm in a place in my career where i am slightly annoyed by the packaging attachment thing because i feel like i've had movies be really close to going and we just could not get someone famous enough to get the money to work and i personally don't care how fam- like i'd much rather discover an actor than beg an actor to do me a favor to take a risk on me being a director you know like yeah 100%. us as as directors that aren't famous necessarily we you know a lot of times we're starting from a really disadvantaged point with these like a-list actors where we're kind of like begging them to trust us mm-hmm. uh whereas if we would have made something awesome that they saw and they're like oh you're the guy that made that video or that made this wrote this tv show or that did this i love that you know like like, if you can lead with your work instead of, like, your idea, it's just so much better, I think. Cool. Well, thanks for your insight, Oren. Real quick. Sure. What have you been working on lately? Well, I mean, I think kind of what this whole episode is about is what I've been working on lately, which is, you know, that that in-between projects time. I'm specifically working on, like, saying no more. Something that's taken me, like, many years to get to, to be in a place where if somebody offers me a project that I'm not interested in or I don't think is cool to just say no. It's really hard to do that, especially when, you know, you have your week open and someone's like, hey, you want to make this commercial for a backpack? And you're like, no, that sounds really boring. And so I'm just going to have this week open to not work. Uh, And I think kind of that, you know, what we're talking about today is what you do with that week. You've turned down, you know, you can kind of extrapolate it to like, you have a serving job at a restaurant or you have an assistant job somewhere. And what happens if like you want to be a writer or a director and you say, hey, boss, I'm going to take the next two weeks off because I want to work on my my own personal career. So now you have two weeks of open time. Like what the hell do you do with that time? And that that's kind of the time that I'm in right now. I'm turning down a lot of small jobs. I'm attached to kind of bigger projects that are being pitched and packaged and whatever. Nothing's really happening with them that I need to worry about. And so this week and kind of hopefully I, I, I enjoy this time. It's like our, you know, personal development time. It's like, I'm trying to work on making myself more marketable, more sellable, having more ideas, taking time to like get inspired, you know? And so I think we could probably just segue right into the show from this conversation. Cause that's what we're going to talk about. Right. Perfect. Sounds good. Cool. Well, yeah, Oren, I think you bring up a really good point. So we've got a handful of different things that I think uh, there, are, there are a handful of challenges or, or things you need to focus on when you find yourself in these in-between times. And, and we should say up top, it's a, it's a really privileged, awesome time to have because I, you know, I remember very clearly when I was fighting tooth and nail for every moment of writing time and every, every day on set when I had a day job. Yeah, but but just just to be clear, I think this is also, let's say you do live in Milwaukee and you've decided to move to L.A. to become a director and you've saved up, you know, 
$5,000 and you're going to sh- live on someone's couch and you can survive for three months on that amount of money. You know, what What are you going to do with your time when you move to L.A.? Like, of course, if you just moved here, you'll try to work on student films. You'll try to do some things to meet people and get experience. But but what do you do to start creating your own material? And I think that's the same thing that w- we do being here for many years already on a, you know, it, it's... I think we're doing the same thing as like a brand new person in LA would do, right? Yeah, I mean, certainly today is a perfect example of, uh, you know, I made a bunch of phone calls, like went to a coffee and had a, a meeting or two. And all of that was, if I told my parents, hey, I worked a full day today, they would be like, what are you even talking about? That's not work at all. And I wasn't being paid for any of it, but it was all either work that, I'd already been paid for and was like kind of finishing up or I'm preparing to create more work for myself. And this is all investing time in the future of my career, whether it's writing or strengthening relationships. Um, I knew this director that like when he moved to LA, he made it a goal to like watch a movie every single day. I was kind of back in the days of Netflix DVD and he would just have like this long queue and he was like, that's like my work you know, as becoming to become a better filmmaker is to watch at least one movie a day. Do you ever do stuff like that just to get inspired, not necessarily for fun, but force yourself to, you know, to to study film study in, in these off times? Yeah, you know, I, I, and I think before we jump in too far, we should also say all of the things that we're talking about, you really have to do in moderation. So, and I, for one, am very good at overdoing it with any of these things. So don't beat yourself up if that happens, but do try to keep things balanced between all of the different things that you're trying to do. And so, yeah, I call that filling the well, which I think is maybe a term I learned from like a Darren Aronofsky behind the scenes or something. (laughs) I think that's where it came from. But yeah, you just you you need to make sure that you're culturally inspired and aware of what's happening in cinema, but also in all other forms of art, so that you're not just cribbing from movies exclusively. And that's a that's an easy one to be like, well, it's research. I, especially when I was younger, I would like buy like an entire TV show and uh, watch it all in a day or two and call it work. And <laughs> right. that's probably a little beyond the pale though i I look back on those days very fondly yeah but yeah i think you're what you're saying is a really good point like like try to expose yourself right on a daily basis to a few things like watch something get inspired watch youtube videos for an hour watch a t an episode of a tv show everyone's talking about you know read the news go to a museum something that is making you a more you know culturally interesting person you know, especially and think about what, what you've, you've seen. Um, so that's that's one part of your day. Right. Another part is like having coffee with people, just like calling anyone, a friend that's an actor or a writer or your mom's cousin, you know, does business affairs at Universal and they they're willing to meet with you. Right. At, at some point, it's like you just kind of look at all the people you haven't talked to in a while and and try to schedule something with them. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a thing that I do very frequently especially because i work from home like you do and so taking a lunch or a coffee is an excuse to leave the house which sometimes is really valuable like you know it's important to like put on some pants and you know get a little vitamin d sometimes so uh i love doing that 
and I would I would encourage you, no matter where you are in your career, I think that it's important to always be meeting new people and broadening your network, right? I remember hearing that uh, Brian Grazer, I think, or maybe it's Ron Howard, one of those two would meet a new person every Friday. He just had a lunch where he was like, I'm going to meet a new guy. And it, like, they're, I'm going to grill them on what they do and learn about how interesting they are and what they're lifestyle is all of that stuff and i think especially like the higher up you get the easier it is to kind of insulate yourself in a bubble of entertainment people only and so whether that's meeting with someone for lunch or filling the well or some other way i think um i think that's super valuable but also i I was going to say when you're taking coffees and 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 any sort of business meeting it's important to um Make sure that you're helping keep your people. Receipts. Well, keep the receipt. <laughs> keep the receipt for tax purposes. Uh, but make sure that you're helping people as well. You know, I remember like once I found a little bit of success, people would like want to quote unquote pick your brain, right? And that meant, in my case, learn how to make a web series that was successful because we all know plenty of people who make unsuccessful web series or how do I make something go viral or something like that. And that can be kind of annoying but it comes from a very honest place and like just listen to people help them out you'll never know how it will help you out in return and worst case scenario it's just um nice yeah i actually met this director that had just moved to town he worked on, on boardwalk empire he was like a research assistant there and he'd also directed a bunch of stuff and he came to town and through a friend of his he asked if he could like have coffee with me and we had coffee probably like 8 months ago and i'm going to email him tomorrow and see what he's up to um, yeah. Do you ever meet people and feel like you were not that helpful to them? Uh, yes, yes, definitely. I, I actually feel like sometimes, even worse, I kind of overwhelm them. Because <laughs> I, I have these coffees enough, and we do this podcast, right? So I'm pretty well-versed in like what I think of, like what my opinions are for how you should get started, or what to do in a certain number of pretty typical scenarios. And so... They're like, I just moved here. What should I do? And I'm like, okay, kid, I got you. And then I just talk at them for an hour. And that's Mm -hmm. the worst. I should just listen more. And, but I feel like this podcast is about how I'm a jerk tonight. Yeah. (laughs) I just tell them to shoot it. Just just shoot it, kid. Just shoot it. Get out of here. You're paying for this coffee, right? Um, (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So kind of one of the things that I'm trying to do is, and again, this is all kind of related to everything I talk about on the podcast all the time, but I have these like a list of projects and ideas that I'm interested in. I'm trying to figure out what's the one that I could make that best expresses my voice and that I think will kind of help propel, be noticed by Hollywood people as something original and unique and interesting and that will, will get me to, into the next phase of my career. So something I've been doing, you know, the last couple of weeks is just like meeting with people to ha- have coffee and mainly just kind of pitching my ideas to them and seeing like if people are responding and seeing if I can find people that will help me kind of support my voice with writing and with filmmaking and shorts. So right now I'm kind of talking to one friend about doing some spec commercials just for fun so we can kind of put them out there, talking to somebody else about writing a few feature treatments together. And then I also know that I really need to work on like my website and my reel, which is the hardest thing for me to do. But but this is the perfect time to do that. 
you know yeah yeah i think there there are housekeeping pieces that that you're right this is exactly the right time for you should just do squarespace bro i'm telling you yeah or, or one of those you right now not to go on too big of a tangent guys but Oren is uh, <laughs> a nerd and so he really yeah, did a great a job bit. of hand coding this awesome website in that 2012 is, in 2012 that's so intricate that now it takes so much work to update all of this out-of-date code to get it to work with everything I, it's happened to all of my like smartest nerdy friends who really like put the, a lot of blood sweat and tears into their websites it's happened to all of them uh, yeah. my manager told me he's like your website would be 10 times better if you just removed the word 2013 from it <laughs> and i was like ah uh, you know how hard that is it's like a graphic it's embedded in this video i have to refine all the files re-edit the video i gotta do all this stuff but yeah do you look at other directors websites to try to kind of figure out oh absolutely yeah absolutely how do you find yeah. like i guess if you were one of our listeners and you are you went to film school you've directed a couple things you've had some like small hits on youtube um and you want to start getting into like branded content or you want to get paid basically to make stuff how do you find directors that are in, on your level or a similar level to look at their sites and kind of find out well, how to market yourself? I don't think you, I think uh, honestly, the best and most concrete piece of advice is I would say, look at the past guests that we've had and look at all their websites and then decide which one you like best and which one you think you're confident in pulling off and then rip Ooh, that off. It's a good recommendation. Yeah, right? Yeah. Eric Kissack and Tim Nakashi have really good sites, I think. Tim's is and I guess Matt really Enlo. great. My site is, uh, I think, a little cluttered. Tim's is the best. Tim, like, but I think Tim, you really have to have the a, real a to big pull it body off. of work. Yeah. yeah, yeah, his is really impressive. His is really cool. And but, do you err on putting more or less stuff on there? You know, right now I've got more. I'm going to trim it down. I think if you, the my rule of thumb is, if you're ever like looking at your site metrics and you see that people are looking at a clip that you're embarrassed by you should take it down yeah my wife who's an actor she said and our friend who works uh, in management both said that like actors websites are dead like nobody goes to actors websites and that their website should just have a headshot and a link to their imdb and their vimeo page do you yeah. agree i think you could and, I think and how does room, that apply to directors i think that there's room for a little bit more information like uh press links i think I think the intent of that message is really right on that. And that's really just keep it simple. Keep what you're looking for in mind, right? It's it's like, there's that joke about, you know, uh, restaurant websites. At some point along the path, everyone decided that a restaurant website had to be written in flash and like have music and a slideshow of all their best desserts. When you really just want to know hours, where menu. it's located and the menu, that's it. That's all you want on a restaurant website. That's the case for directors and actors as well. It's just that we're offering slightly different things. Like, you don't need it to be fancy. You just want it to be like, this is the work that I've done. This is how you get a hold of me. This is what I look like if you're an actor. And this is just what I do if you're a director. So yeah. just, you know, keep it simple. And that's really hard. It's hard to be objective about yourself. Well, what, so, if, you're, what if you're a director and... You, you know, you've made some videos, you've made some commercials, whatever you've done, no matter what level you're at, but you really, your best work was done like three or four years ago. Do you put that at the top of your website or do you put kind of your newer stuff that's not as good, but, but, but decent? 
I would say put your best stuff as long as it doesn't look super old. So we're in that generation where something that was shot three years ago was shot on a DSLR. That doesn't look so bad. But if it was shot five years ago and it's like on a HVX, maybe maybe you shouldn't put it up there. If it looks old and it feels old, then maybe maybe rethink things a little bit. Yeah, it's tough. I had a, I think I might have talked about this before, but I had this meeting with this pretty badass commercial production company after I did like I had some viral branded spot a few years ago. And I got this meeting with them and I went in and they're like, so tell us about your work. I was like, well, did you go to my website? They're like, yeah, there's like a bunch of videos there. Can you just like, I don't know which ones to watch. Um, yeah, can you just like tell one? me which ones to watch? And I was like, okay, I will send you a list. And guess what? <laughs> I never did because it was like too much work for me to figure out what to tell them to watch. Whoa. Which means obviously it's more work for them to figure out what to watch. I felt like I, well, I was just about to shoot some things and I thought they would be really awesome and I wanted them to put them on the site and then they weren't really awesome and then like a month had passed and I don't know. I'm really, I'm self-sabotaged like that a lot. But anyway, well, besides the point, the point is these next few weeks, I'm going to fix all of that. <laughs> I'm going to get an awesome project. I'm going to recut my reel. I'm going to get Squarespace and just have like a reel and here's like my top 10 coolest Videos you can watch. Resume? Do you put a resume on a website? I don't. I don't. Yeah. I just, Link to IMDb? I, uh, no. No, mine is literally just like... Uh, I mean, I should link to IMDb, but it's like an about page, and then basically featured, and then different subsets of the featured videos. So like featured commercials, featured sketch, featured narrative, featured music videos, basically. Mm. But for real, I think we've probably spent more time talking about your website than it would take for you to get a functioning one up that looks pretty good. Yeah, I got to do that. My wife did hers in Wix in like five minutes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, look at right. my website. And it looks great, like, oh, right? Yeah. Well, what uh, I think I see here on the list of things that you do when you're in between projects, you wrote looking busy. Mm-hmm. What do you mean by that? Yeah, that's one that my wife always gives me a hard time about. I had a call that she overheard because we both work from home the other day with a company with an old friend and he was like oh what have you been working on lately and i'm like uh you know i don't know blah 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 like i'm just uh hanging in there you know i said that <laughs> twice right and and then proceeded to talk about all of the things that i have going on and i have like quite a bit but maybe it comes from like not wanting to brag or you know you're talking about self-sabotaging but you know, it just sounds like I'm hanging out, right? We, you joke about the difference between freelance and unemployment is like what you're doing to make things happen, basically. Yeah. And, and like, uh, you know, like I said, I've got a bunch of stuff going on. So really, when I say looking busy, I mean presenting yourself well. Like there's a version where you can say, you know, I'm developing a th- bunch of things that I'm most excited about. Let me tell you about mm-hmm. them. Or I mean, like... I, yeah. I do, when people want to meet with me or talk to me or hire me, I tend I tend to say like, okay, well, I have got a bunch of meetings this week, but I think I can fit you in on Thursday morning. How does that work? Mm-hmm. And it's, I mean, it's instead usually of being kind like, of true. Wide open. I've got nothing going on. Yeah. It's usually kind of true, but some of those meetings might just be like, oh, I need to go, you know, buy a shirt or something for a wedding. Like, they're not always, I mean, our friend Joe McAleer he like whenever you call him, he could be like at his kid's school play and he'll be like, oh, I'm in a meeting right now. I'll call you back because I've hung out with Joe. We've just like been getting coffee, just like 
you know, for no reason waiting for something to happen and he'll get a call and he'll say, hey, I'm in a meeting right now. And it just kind of makes you feel like he's if you call him, you feel like he's so busy doing all these things. Right. Right. But he might just be hanging out. Well, and I, I think that there's an impulse in artsy fartsy types of like wanting to maybe downplay that a little bit. But, you know, and I'll say things like, oh, I'm very flexible, right? Because I've been writing this week or something. But I'm writing on deadlines. And uh, even if you're not, like, you have to be respectful of that time that you're working. And so you mm-hmm. are busy, right? Like, you, like going to a coffee and developing something and, you know, logging some time on your podcast or whatever it is, even if it's all kind of mushy sort of tasks, you have to do that stuff in order to progress. And I think that it's easy for us both to forget because it's been a while that where we've been making money as directors for hire. But the thing that got us those jobs in the first place was all of the passion projects that we did. And if you stop doing those projects that make you stand out and make you uh, show the world what you've got, then you you stagnate and you end up not getting to move on to the next level. Yeah. You know, like when you move to LA, like one of the hardest things to do at first is to tell people you're a director, right? Like when people say like, what do you do? What's your deal? It's pretty easy to say I'm an actor, right? Even if you're just like in acting classes and have never booked anything, but it's really hard to say I'm a director when you haven't like been hired to direct anything. I um, have friends who have made movies like made feature mm-hmm. films that you can watch on Netflix right fucking now. That'll be like, oh, I'm uh, you know, I work at this office or whatever. <laughs> right. And I literally am like, we'll step in and be like, yo, this dude made a movie. You can watch it on Netflix right now. He's being shy. Yeah. Yeah. And so do you think I came up with this theory yesterday that basically if you're an asshole and a jerk and super confident and just think that you're super awesome, you will do a lot better in the beginning of your career. Um, if you're nice and can kind of back up quality work and and be confident in a nice way, I think that's what, how you have legs in your career and, mm-hmm. and you'll be successful in the long run. But, you know, I did this talk last night and especially in the commercial world, like the guys that get the jobs are the guys that can get on the phone and say like, I got this, I fucking did a hundred commercials like this. I'm so good. I'm so awesome. Even though, what did they do today? They had like had coffee with a friend, you know? Right, right. And it's, and that, that's like the hard thing. And then the nice guys, you know, they're like, well, I think we can do this. I've never really done a commercial like this before, but I'm willing to try. And so people don't want to hire those people that aren't super confident. The people that are like, well, I actually haven't been doing anything. I'm pretty flexible. Those are the guys that nobody wants to hire or girls. So I think I think it's all kind of connected in a way. Yeah, I, I remember when I first got out of film school, everyone was always working for the rich kids because those were the kids that had the money to shoot on film or to rent a camera or to put together their passion project right out of school. And I remember just being insanely jealous of these people because they had the resources to make things. And it felt like they were going to be off to the races and they were going to have the careers that we all were aspiring to. And, you know, us poor kids, quote unquote, just wouldn't ever make it. We'd just be working for them for the rest of our lives. And very quickly you realize, oh, if you've got the goods and you've got the talent to pull that off, that's really what gives you legs, right? And the kids that were just blowing their parents' money but didn't have the talent to really deliver on it, you know, they're still uh, blowing their parents' money. But right. the, the a lot thing, of them have become successful. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, 
I I'm trying to I'm genuinely trying to think of a jerk who when I first moved career to LA, I, I was a dolly grip on a hundred thousand dollar USC this thesis film in two thousand five. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is ridiculous. Who spends a hundred thousand dollars on a thesis film? We blew up an entire set. We had like a ten person stunt crew at a techno crane. We had like it was insane, right? It was like a ten day shoot for a short film. Sure, everyone uh, everyone above the line on that shoot went on to like work on like CSI and like huge Hollywood things like within a year. Whoa. So it does happen, you know? Sure, sure, sure. It does happen. I would say the the bigger lesson that it took me a long time to realize is that there's a difference between like paying a bunch of people to do you, the work for you and creating opportunities for people. And if you create opportunities for people, they want to work with you, you know? And so... That was the key for me when I was first making things, was figuring out how can I help this person? What do they need? What do they want? How can I give that to them? And that's how, even though I didn't have money to pay people for Squaresville, I still created a lot of really wonderful opportunities that I think are still paying off for people today. And so that's how I sleep at night. Cool. Uh, what, what were you going to say, Oren? I was going to say, just to summarize very ineloquently, my thoughts on all of this stuff is like, a lot of times... You can, as a director or filmmaker, you can look at this time where you've got nothing going on as like a bad time. But the longer you work in this business, the more you realize that's the good time. That's like when the most opportunities happen and the best things can happen. And it's like the most important time when you're not working is to own that you are a director, you know, that you are a filmmaker. I think one of the best pieces of advice we got on this podcast was from Abby Fuller. And she talked about how if you tell people you do everything, you know, they'll never think about you for anything. But if you tell them, you know, she specifically wanted to work on food shows and she said, I do food shows, you know, even though she hadn't done them before and she got hired, you know, now she's doing chef's table for Netflix. I think it's kind of similar to the situation we're in and new filmmakers in L.A. are in and anyone that's not on an active project right now, it's like, you know, if you own that you're a director, you're making opportunities for yourself to direct because at the end of the day, most directors, that's how they get work is they make their own opportunities. Then this time can be super fruitful, the time between projects. And so I hope I can actually, uh, you know, follow up my words with, with making some new exciting projects happen over the next few weeks. Yeah. And I think the big important takeaway for everyone on this is that all of this refilling the well, taking lunches, networking, your side hustles, staying sane, getting out more. Uh, That's all secondary to actually working, right? So like, that's the other tricky part is like, you do have to make time to really like put the pen to paper or to like find your collaborators or develop your slate or clean up your pitches or work on your website or whatever those things that you need to be doing are, you still actually have to do that work. But in addition to, you know, writing alone every day in your attic, you still have to broaden that network. And I will say the exact opposite of what you just said, which is like, <laughs> just because no one is paying you to be a director right now, you're still working and this stuff still counts. So oh, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying like, th- there's a difference between, d- don't confuse networking as the only part of your job. That's what I mean. Okay. I guess you're being negative about it and I'm being positive. No, no, I'm saying I'm saying it's both. You you have to you have to write and develop and pitch in order for those 
networking opportunities to pay off is what I mean. Right, Does that make right. sense? Yeah, that makes sense. I guess I'm just thinking like sometimes I get inspired to work by networking, by meeting Absolutely. with someone that says, you know, that there's that famous story about Max Landis and Josh Trank that they just like walked by each other on the street. And Josh Trank said to Max Landis, oh, you know, I had this idea for this like friends in high school that are superheroes, you know. And Max Landis was like, oh, that's awesome. I'm going to write up a treatment for that. And it just happened because they just like walked by each other and had a small conversation. And then it turned into something. And so it's like, if you're stuck at home writing by yourself, go have that small conversation with someone that counts as work because it might lead to something way bigger. Yeah, absolutely. I hope I wasn't unclear. I'm saying that you have to have both. You have to do both. Right. And I I think it's interesting because I feel like I'm the type of person that if I could get away with it, would probably just stay inside and write all day. And I'm the type of person that if I can get away with it, I would never, ever, ever write anything. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Perfect. Good thing we're hosting a podcast together. Yeah. Well, anyway, we would love to hear what you guys think about, you know, some things that you've done in between projects or when you're not being hired by someone to kind of work on your career and to become better filmmakers. So please, please email us at justshootitpod at gmail.com. That's right. Or you can tweet us at justshootitpod. Or even better, you could leave us a voicemail at 2626shoot1. That would really make my day. (laughs) Yeah. Matt loves our voicemail box. Though most people seem to prefer emailing and tweeting. Yeah, I get it. It's old-fashioned. Well, great. This is a, a great conversation about sharpening the knife in between projects. Oren, do you have an unpaid yes. endorsement? Unpaid endorsements. Of course I do. It's so good. I'm going to save it for last so that <laughs> right. you can go first. All right. I got a good one this time, actually. So in this crazy political climate, I just saw that Hillary Clinton like launched a new attack ad on Trump that I think is pretty good. I think it's interesting. But it led me to an ad week retrospective of the 10 most iconic presidential campaign ads that changed political advertising forever. And it's great. It's really awesome. It starts with Eisenhower Answers America in 1952, which was like really revolutionary because before that, the presidential candidates would just purchase half hour slots on uh, on the air to kind of talk about their message. And this was the first time that they kind of pivoted towards using more traditional advertising methods to get an idea across. And they're kind of like a little charming and hokey and old fashioned, but they were placed during I Love Lucy episodes, which they figured would reach more viewers. And it, you know, it worked. So there's that one. There's the famous Daisy ad that only aired one time, but uh, kind of people credited as like maybe securing Lyndon Johnson, the election, which is pretty amazing and is still like a pretty effective ad. And then the other one, all of them are, are interesting in their own way. But the other one that really struck me was morning in America, which was uh, for Reagan's 1984 reelection campaign. And that one really something about it like really kind of i don't want to say it moved me but it stirred something like you know dormant in me where it's like maybe i must have seen that as a as a tiny child as like a two-year-old or something i don't know the the imagery in that in that spot was very familiar and 
interesting to me. So, but there's a bunch of other really interesting ones. They've got the Swift Boat Veterans flip flopping ad. Oh uh, yeah, Carrie. Yeah, really cool stuff. Cool. Yes, we can from 2008. So yeah, it's like a um, perfectly timed for this political climate. It's an ad week. You can check it out on our show notes, but it's the 10 iconic presidential campaign ads that changed political advertising. Cool. Sounds very exciting. <laughs> I'm going to... Uh, I actually have a question for you, Matt. Do you ever put like a like a, a graphic cover on your scripts? Like make page one be like an image? Um, no, I don't. But I, Chrissy just did a screenplay that she did a custom font for i think that's the closest we've got to something but 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 for like pitch packets and stuff you know i think you've seen the more elaborate pitch packages that i have done that are like full graphic treatments and stuff so i do do stuff like that for sure sometimes i think like doing making a cool especially if you're doing like sci-fi or something really tonal or stylized it's kind of cool to put an image on your the cover of your script just to at least it sticks out. I mean, you know, there's a famous story about Legally Blonde was like sent to everyone on like pink paper. So when oh, people had pass, like a, you know, a pile of scripts on their desk, they would read the pink one. Well, anyway, there's this website it's called graphicriver.net and they have all sorts of kind of graphic templates. But if you go there and you look for Photoshop actions, they're like these scripts you can buy for Photoshop and you basically like load an image in Photoshop. They're kind of like an Instagram filter, but like, on crack so they have one that will like make a picture of an actor like explode or look like they're on fire you know kind of all all these really cool visual effects but they're made for stills for fun you know if you have photoshop which hopefully you do after i've endorsed it so many times on this show you can use these photoshop actions to just kind of add something unique to an image that you find uh, so that it's not something that everyone else has and I, I go there sometimes when I'm trying to get inspired for cool imagery, for directing stuff, for music videos, for a cover page, for a script. So when we pitched this like time travel show, I found this this action there called destruct Photoshop action or something of that nature. And it just basically made people like disappear into particles in just an image. And so I use that. So there's all these cool things there. And a friend of mine the other day was like, hey, can you design a title for my... Uh, movie and I said no but check out graphicriver.net and she like wrote me back five minutes later she's like what why have I not known about this site this is awesome and so it's just you know when you need to incorporate graphics into your work it's a great place to either just buy a template and just incorporate exactly what you want or just get inspired and see some cool things so graphicriver.net and check out the photoshop actions they're my favorite killer man this looks really excellent it's from, world. it's from Envato. It's like they do videohive.net and Audio mm-hmm. Jungle. And, you know, they're part of a much bigger network of templates and just tools that help you make things fast. <laughs> but the Photoshop actions are something you might easily miss. So check them out. Awesome. Well, another good one. We did it. How do you feel, Oren? Accomplished? I feel, yeah, I feel like there's going to be good things to come. And I need to sit myself down and work on my reel and write some stuff fill the well man oh cool that was another great one Oren. thanks so much if you want to learn more about the things that we talked about on the show you can visit us at justshootitpod.com you'll have show yeah. notes and links to all the stuff we talked about it'll be great 
You can follow me at Mr. Matt Enlow. And me at Smitey Pileg on Twitter and the podcast at Just Shoot It Pod. And, you know, check us out. Write us a line. Send us some questions. Rate us on iTunes. Interact with us. Um, we Do us a favor. Tell a friend about Just Shoot It. It'd be awesome. Um, yes. We've seen a lot of uh, great interaction on Twitter lately. Have you been oh, checking that out, Orin? Yes, but I forgot to say, also, if you're a listener um, and are a filmmaker and love Movie Maker Magazine as much as we do, they interviewed us, and we also have a promo code you guys can use if you want to subscribe. It is... Just shoot it. Just shoot it. If you go to their spaces. website, you'll get a discount. We don't get paid, by the way. We just think it's a cool magazine. So This episode was edited by Eric Carpo. Thanks, Eric. Bye. Venmo is neat. Um, I love... Uh, I mean, I know there's like a million versions of it, but it just kind of works. Yeah. I love the emojis. No, I don't do that. What? That's the reason to do Venmo. Are you serious? Wait, Venmo? We're talking about the money transferring app. Yeah, dude. Are you friends with people on Venmo? No, I don't like people to see my money transfers. I, I want to see like, oh, these people just gave each other a pizza and beer emoji. <clears throat> it's adorable. Not interested in that. <sighs> when it, when I send Eric his yes. fee, I give. I what do I do, Eric? I think it's like like music notes. And then the scissors? Wow. I think. Anyway. I do not do any of that. You got to up your emoji game, bro. Yeah, apparently. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.